Hi, and welcome to the Tales from the Trail podcast by Matchplay. In this episode, I welcome Michael Zabala, the founder of an innovative company called Exo Armor. This company is changing how healthcare providers can help athletes quickly get back to training and competing post-injury. Michael tells a story about how 3D scanning and printing a splint at Auburn University got a star receiver back on the field to deliver outstanding performances despite a hand injury. Since then, ExoArmor has grown and provides 3D printed splints, guards, and casts for some of the best athletes in the United States, not only due to injury, but in prevention as well. ExoArmor offers these solutions in the field of sports and healthcare. Please take an extra minute to rate and review the podcast where you listen. This is a huge help. Share the podcast with whomever you think would be interested and will help in their process. Check us out on social media as well. The links can be found at matchplayrecruit.com. Yeah, let's get into um, how Exo Armor got its start. Um, is it your concept and, and how did it take off? Well, it was was not on purpose, I, I must say. So I joined faculty in mechanical engineering here at Auburn in 2016. And a part of that process is to build a lab. And my specialty is biomechanics. So I, I built a big lab with motion capture cameras and sensors and all the kind of stuff you can you can imagine for something like that. But part of that was I purchased a 3D printer and I purchased a handheld 3D scanner. And the 3D scanner is about $30,000. So it's pretty expensive. Typically used for reverse engineering or uh, crash reconstruction, if you can imagine scanning crumpled bumpers, for example. Um, but my thought was I wanted to combine the 3D scanning and the 3D printing to make something like custom prosthetics. That was the kind of the general thought in my head. Mm-hmm. So the lab was in place as early as 2016, but it was 2019 when my neighbor at the time, uh, who is no longer my neighbor, but he's still the head athletic trainer for Auburn football, Robbie Stewart. He called me. He knew what lab I had. He knew more of the work I was doing. And he said, I have a wide receiver with a broken hand. Is there anything you can do to help him? And I kind of joke that if Auburn football asks you for help, you say yes, even if you don't know how you're going to do it. Right. So, uh, so we brought hit, we brought him in as Anthony Schwartz, who played for the Cleveland Browns for a while. Uh, I'm not sure he still plays there anymore, but so we brought him in. We scanned him with the thirty thousand dollars scanner, and we we basically were able to extract the surface of his hand with the three D scanner. And so from that, we made a a file, a model file that we then pretty three D printed. Mm-hmm. And uh, this right here is a is a replica, basically, of what came off of the three D printer and. And it just basically fit around his hand like this. Right. And what was really cool was uh, it's so low profile because it uses the surface of his hand that he was able to wear his glove over top of it. Mm -hmm. And uh, when he did that, he we didn't know what he was doing for a while. But a few weeks later, I found out he was going to he was going to finally play. And we were playing Texas A&M at College Station. And he came out on the field and nobody knew he was wearing it because he had the glove in his hand. Of course, I knew and some of my students, my lab knew. And. Uh, he took the ball. He came out in the field, took the ball for a verse, and ran 57 yards for a touchdown. Nice. While he was wearing it, and it's the very okay. first first time he ever played with it. So, I actually got a text from the sideline from uh, Dr. Michael Goodlook there, celebrating uh, Auburn engineering scoring a touchdown. So that was how we got our start. Right. 
And in Chile, we figured out how to do the 3D scanning on a smartphone, not a $30,000 scanner. And that's when it really opened up to the possibilities of maybe this thing can be bigger and outside of just the confines of the lab at all. Right. So what's the material that you're using? Um, yeah, it's just a plastic. common 3D printed plastic material, basically. It's nothing fancy. Um, it. What's great about it, though, is, is it, you can 3D print with it and it's non-toxic. You know, if you think about melting plastic, which is essentially how this method works. Um, you know, you might not want that necessarily in your office, but this specific material is entirely non-toxic. So you can melt it and 3D print with it and it doesn't cause any harm whatsoever. So it's uh, right. so it works really well for our application. Gotcha. Um, and have you found like, like, let's take a soccer player who, um, you know, maybe has a, a wrist injury or, you know, maybe even the same type of look like your player had a, a boxer's fracture or something like that, that yeah. um, are you finding that, you know, the officials are allowing the, yeah. that material to be worn? And have you found any issues with that? It's allowed. So there's some rules based on, on what you can put on the body. Uh, but, but when it comes to injury, as long as it's covered up, as long as it's not fully exposed. So for, in this case, example was the glove. As long as it's covered up, then it's then it's allowable in the rules of play. Gotcha. Uh, and so, the, you know, there's there's a lot of leeway when it comes to protecting injury, and that's basically mm -hmm. what we're doing. It's not like, um, you know, it'd be different if you were an MMA boxer and you didn't have an injury and you put something like this on your hand, right? <laughs> totally different thing. So, uh, so yeah. So there are some basic rules, mm -hmm. uh, but generally, it, it's it's absolutely legal and allowable. Right. So walk us through like. Um... Uh, a kid goes to the doctor. Um, I say kid because this is primarily yeah. focused on on youth sports um, and yeah. you know recruiting and that sort of thing. So the typical audience that I have are, are going to be high school and college kids and and their yeah. families. You know, um, so a kid gets an injury on the field and goes to the doctor. So walk us through you know how your process works and and that sort of thing. Yeah. Well, the one of the big innovations that we've done is the the decision to place the 3D printer at the location of the team, so in their actual facility. And in some cases, we have our 3D printer in their in their stadium that they actually play games in. A lot of collegiate programs are like that. And so the the way it works is you'll have an athlete that's injured, and they're treated by the local team medical staff, including the athletic trainers. And so pretty quickly they know what the injury is and, and so they can as soon as that athlete's injured they can take our 3d scanning app basically and they can scan their athlete and then uh, a print file is generated and it goes immediately to their 3d printer and it prints out and some of these print in as little as 15 minutes especially for the small part so we always kind of like to point out that in theory and i don't know if it's happened yet but in theory you could get injured the first half, be scanned, and you could be back on the field in the second half of play uh, because it's it's a, it's that level of turnaround of response time to get these custom fit devices put back on the athletes. So that's the sports application there. Um, we do have uh, you know other ways of getting these devices to athletes. So if you think of like a a younger kid or med middle schooler, they, their team may not be able to have a 3D printer on site. But that's where we're able to work with these athletic trainers or these physical therapy or these other local clinics. And we can put our 3D printer in there. 
and and the kid or the student can then go and get treated at that local facility. So you know, like a facility that would help treat multiple high schools teams in the area. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, usually there's a an orthopedic group associated with you know high school sports and definitely college sports. So, um, yeah, yeah. well, in college, I guess the athletic training department would be would be uh, in charge of that uh, situation. Um, so basically you could use it for contusions, you know, sprain of a joint, um, that sort of thing. Um, I guess, so then you, so you would basically create like something to cover up. Is it taken in, like if there's swelling, is it taken into account, yeah. you know, what, you know, I guess because of the, the, the scanner, you're able yeah, to yeah. account for, for what's, what the situation is, right? Yeah, it's really convenient because like with Anthony and his, his broken hand, he came in first to get scanned and he had just had surgery and it was it was these bones right here. And I think someone mm-hmm. stepped on him with their cleat, but right. uh, he was really swollen. And so the first time we scanned him, the, the, the brace that came out was bigger because of the surface of his hand. But mm-hmm. as his swelling would go down, they would bring him back into the lab and we'd scan him again and then make him a new one. And right. so that's the benefit of this is you get the exact surface of the body. And so as the swelling is present, you can you can create designs for that. And mm-hmm. then as swelling goes down by nature of the process, it's still going to fit as long as you do another rescan. So that's something that we see quite often. Right. So, yeah, I mean, what's what's been the experience with someone who doesn't have access to that isn't at a big power five university that's, you know, mm-hmm. in. I don't know, Des Moines, yep. Iowa. Well, that's not a necessarily good example because there's, you know, a high school kid. Like, um, I, yeah, I mean, how have you gotten the word out? How have kids found out about it and or families found out about it and that sort of thing? Yeah. Um, well, well, as of lately, we've really put a lot of effort into building our, our, our sales team. So this it's really the first time in the history of the company that we've had people dedicated to going out and bringing our technology to the athletes mm-hmm. uh, and to the players. For a long time, it was primarily word of mouth because I'm an engineer, I'm an engineering professor. I've got engineering students and we're really good at innovating and doing engineering and, and coming up with new products and designs. But when it comes to, to getting the message out and sales and marketing. That's just not something that's our area of expertise. So for a while, we were so focused on the engineering, we didn't have much of a sales and marketing effort, but that's something that as the engineering has matured and the technology is really, really matured to the point where um, it works extremely well, the entire system. Uh, now, uh, now we're finally able to actually go out and, and make our system known to everybody. So, uh, so, so like I said, mostly word of mouth at first, actually first non Auburn university customer of ours was West Virginia. And they found out because they read an article about the research that was happening in my lab and what we were doing for Auburn football. So yeah. really kind of a grassroots effort uh, at first, but that's something that we're definitely trying to change right now. Right. Um, so you're obviously relying on the decision-making of the medical professionals to to decide if this is the right situation to use an exo armor splint brace, you know, whatever you want to call it. But, um, so it's important for, I'm guessing it's important for them to have some sort of diagnosis and, and a scan, you know, an x-ray or, or whatever it may be before they use that product, or is it kind of a stopgap until they can get there? Like if, 
they feel like they can finish the game or, or that sort of thing. So it's, I don't, I wouldn't say they require a diagnosis because most of the time it's not medical doctors that are treating the athletes anyway. Most of the time it's athletic trainers. And, um, and so it, it's really an improvement on a current, on their current system. So right now they have, uh, something called orthoplasts, certain kind of plastic material you've got to soak in hot water and then you can drape it over the body and you can trim it. And, and it takes a long time. It takes hours of the athlete's time to do this and they have other ways that they can fashion together devices that can respond to these injuries quickly to get the athlete back on the field. And so we're really just replacing that. And, you know, there are, obviously we can do more long-term solutions like casts and other devices. And that's a big part of what we do, but especially for a sport like football, a lot of it is my linebacker went down with a sprained AC joint that's right here in the shoulder. And we want to get them back to be able to practice on Monday. And so let's scan their shoulder and give them an extra pad to wear under their shoulder pads mm -hmm. and then they can play. So I actually have one. This right here uh, is an example of one of those. So this was made for a running back uh, at Auburn a few years ago, and they ended up just making one for each shoulder. And so he would wear these and he, this is kind of a soft gel like surface. And so this would go against his skin and he would wear those under his pads, under his shoulder pads, mm -hmm. uh, really protected his shoulders throughout the entirety of the season. So, so it's less of a diagnosis and more of a, a, a replacement and a, and a better solution for what they're currently doing with their athletes. Right. And so you could add, um, other material to it if you had to, to, yeah. to make it more comfortable or, yeah, that's exactly right. So this yeah. right here is, um, it's like a ballistics gel type material. Mm -hmm. The upside is that it really it dissipates energy really well. And so if you're already injured, it helps present, prevent future, you know, additional injury. The downside is it weighs a lot. It's really heavy. And if you're, if you're an SEC running back, you don't, you, you can't be weighed down. Right. So there, we have other solutions. We've, we've, uh, frequently lined our devices with foam. And so what's really neat about that is since we have a 3D model of the device itself, we can take that to generate a file that can be sent to a laser cutter. And the laser cutter can cut out a foam liner for that device that perfectly lines up and perfectly matches with that device. Gotcha. So a foam liner is going to be much light, much more lightweight. It's going to perform a little bit better if you're looking at that. Right. So, um, Back in the day, they used all that orthoplast and, you know, there's all those edges that had to be filed down and kind of beveled a little bit to make it make sure you didn't have like a pinch point or that sort yeah. of thing. So how are you, is the material kind of workable on the edges or does it come out printed so that it's, it's. Yeah. yeah. Our, so we have algorithms that generate these print files and they, they're designed to come out with rounded edges, like you can see mm -hmm. here. Right. That being said, you can still you can still work them afterward, and a lot of the athletic trainers will do that. So it's not it's not like it's titanium or anything. So you can go in there with shearers, and you can you can cut edges, and you can remove parts that you don't like. And then they have other smoothing techniques that they can then manipulate it even further after that. So mm -hmm. they really once they settle it, the athletic trainers once they settle into the technology, they've got some pretty pretty good ways to be able to maximize the utility of it. Right. Um... So like, what's the future of this? So, you know, where, how, yeah. you know, where, I, obviously this is just the beginning for you. You're four or five years into it and, and, um, 
So where do you see it going and, and how much more sophisticated can it get, do you think? Yeah, well, we have lots of plans for added uh, technological sophistication, I'll put it that way. But yeah, um, we see the application growing. There's a, there's a wide range of application beyond what we've already been doing in that kind of niche area of collegiate sports. Although mm-hmm. we do we do work a lot with the NFL, actually. But uh, so we do see the application of this technology growing. And one of the main things that I would like to see is is not only this technology used in response to injury. So you wait till a player's injured and you put a, put a device on them, mm-hmm. but uh, but to use it prior to injury. So to use it to augment your athletes, if you've got a running back that's running, I don't know, 30 carries a game for a 12 game, 13 game season. Uh, it makes sense that you might want to add some additional layer of personalized custom fit protection to his shoulders. Right. Because it's all about the number of carries by the end of the season, especially at the end when it matters and you're in bowl games or playoffs and whatnot. Right. So we have methods and we have patents pending on this actually, but we have methods of of attaching these shoulder guards, custom fit rib protectors, thigh pads, a few other devices to the body, essentially with compression gear clothing. Right. So so that's a I think a major push in the future is hey, let's not wait till two or three athletes on the team get injured. Let's go ahead and outfit all hundred and twenty athletes in the team so they won't get injured. And that's something right. I would like to see. Yeah, I remember um there was a big push, you know, uh geez, it's been twenty years ago now, and I think they probably still do it where, you know, linemen are wearing um knee braces prophylactically where, you know, because there were so many, you know, catastrophic knee injuries for linemen. Um, I'm wondering if, you know, you know, you're thinking along those terms, obviously with other spots, but I wonder if there's a solution for, you know, uh, knees and and that sort of thing. Um, You know, other sports have different, different uh, common injuries that, you know, you could address prophylactically, but. um, Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly right. Yeah. so at the moment, you know, fairly new technology, is it is it cost prohibitive for just the general consumer that isn't at a Power 5 university? Right now, the way the system works is, is we install a 3D printer on site, and this is, it's a subscription model-based approach. So an entire athletics uh, department would have a subscription to our service and our system. And again, the 3D printer is on site for, for maximum quickest turnaround possible. Mm-hmm. The plan to roll it out to the public would have to be through these on-site clinics uh, because, because that's the way that we found the system works best is wherever you're treated or, or wherever you get your sports gear, maybe it's a Dick Sporting Goods or a place like that, but wherever the public goes to get treated or to get their sports gear, that's going to be the location where we can have the 3D scan performed and where the 3D printing can occur. Right. We've done some. We've done some work in the past, especially we've done a lot of work with shin guards, custom fit shin guards. I was going to ask you about that. Yeah. Yeah. So we've done that, and that's worked. That's worked fairly well. Um, where the customer will scan their own shins or their child's shins, and then we make a custom pair of custom fit shin guards. We ship them to them. Um, and so that's something that I see as a part of our future. But I think it's, it's probably a little bit further out until we get more established in the kind of the the, the more mass approach of being at the location at the point of care, that sort of thing. Right. So, you know, somebody has their phone, they scan in, um, you, the, what's, 
is it self-guided or do you have to be trained in how to scan? Um, you know, what's, so, what's, what's the requirements? Yeah, so the, app, the app has a tutorial. Okay. And so you can, you can see how to do it. Basically it's a quick, we have some tutorial videos and some images and swipe, swipe left sort of thing. Right. Uh, and so you can, you can do it yourself and you can, or you can scan your, your child if you're trying to make them custom fit shin guards. So yeah, it's really all built into the app. Gotcha. Um, yeah, that's a huge market. Uh, I'm primarily soccer right now on this and, um, I'm sure that's, you caught people's attention cause I mean, soccer players hate wearing shin guards. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know how much you watch soccer, but on, in the big, you know, premier league or whatever, I mean, shin guards are like this big, you know, it's the it's smaller than the size of a dollar bill. They're doing what they have to do to get by. So, you know, anything you can do to, you know, make those more wearable is um is important for them yeah and one interesting uh point to make is that the nashville soccer club a few of their athletes are wearing our shin guards and, mm -hmm. and one of them walker zimmerman actually wore our shin guards during the world cup so that was pretty oh, cool. exciting just to sit there and watch so it's the yeah. same material it's are you able did you put like describe what those are looking like for guys i mean and girls i yeah. mean are they are they um are they able to say, hey, Exo Armor, this is what I want um, in a shin guard and, and that sort of thing? Yeah, the, the MLS athletes were, <laughs> they were able to do that. We actually went up there and met with them and uh, we went to a game the night before and then we met with them at their practice facility the next day and we scanned all of them and mm -hmm. essentially they told us exactly what they wanted and some of them wanted these big shin guards, but most of them wanted a post stamp kind of, Right. Uh, you know, not literally, but they wanted these small, tiny little shin guards. So we made them uh, extremely custom for them. Uh, but yeah, it just it depends on the athlete, what they want. But most right. of them do want it small. It is the same material that we make most of our gear out of. Mm -hmm. um, but we're able to do the custom foam liner and we can we can etch their name into it with a laser. Cool. So that's pretty neat. So, yeah, yeah um, that's uh, that's huge. I. Uh... I'd be curious about that to see how that kind of scales out for you. Um, yeah. yeah. So uh, talk about, I don't know if we talked about cost, but um, I don't think we did. Uh, so, you know, if I, if I wanted, I don't know if you're there yet, like if you're yeah. in your growth, but you know, um, if I wanted a custom pair of shin guards down the road, you know, what do you predict that'll be the consumer? What will be the consumer cost for that? Sure. Yeah. So when it comes to shin guards, you can find some super cheap shin guards. I mean, you can go on Amazon and you can find a $10 pair of shin guards. Mm -hmm. You can also go on and you can find a $100 pair of shin guards. So it really depends on that specific athlete and that user and that customer. Mm -hmm. So, um, so ultimately we're, it's going to be hard for us to compete with the cheapest shin guards just because it's, it's a unique product right it's made specifically sure. for you and in every instant for every shin guard pair we've made we've put that particular kid or that athlete's name in the in the phone so it's very mm -hmm. unique so, so there's going to be some built-in cost there to that uh, but we recognize that people don't want to go and spend 200 dollars on a pair of shin guards and so there's kind of a, a, a good range in there that we like to be at um, you know so generally we want to be cheaper than the most expensive ones uh, but we're going to have to be more expensive than the cheaper ones, if that makes sense. Right. Yeah. But that's the goal is to have it at a, at a, a reachable cost. And it really, right. it's been there. It's been, um, you know, near the, 
you know, 60, 70, $75 range. Uh, mostly. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, it's, it is achievable. It's maybe not, uh, if you're trying to save as much money as possible, then, you know, maybe it's not for you, but, but right. it's a reasonable price. Yeah. I mean, it's justifiable if you're wearing them every single day and, uh, you know, you, you hate the ones that you have that you spend a hundred dollars on, then why wouldn't right. you get right. something for that cost a shot? Um, yeah. what about, uh, like orthotics insoles, you know, for people who have shin splints and, you know, other different issues with their feet and lower extremities. Yeah. Um, have you delved into that at all? Well, we haven't. So two areas that we have not really gotten into are orthotics for, for the soles of feet and helmets. And mm-hmm. well, helmets for one are, it's a, it's a regulation nightmare, if you can imagine. Right? And not only that, there are other competitors in the space that are trying to do similar things that are that are really stalwarts in terms of helmet technology and helmet uh, helmet uh, product. Mm-hmm. And then, so we've avoided that. And then for the insoles, it, it's not obviously as regulated as helmets, but there are, tends to be a lot of players in the space that are they're attempting to do similar type technology. Definitely not exactly what we're doing. You might have seen uh, one company. You can they'll send you some foam and you put, press your feet in the foam, and then you send the foam back, and then they make you custom inserts. So, uh, so there are other players in that space, and so we've we've really avoided that for now. But I wouldn't say that it's something that we would never consider getting into in the future because it does tend to make sense, and even helmets. At some right. point, it might make sense for us to wade into that with our technology. But uh, right. but but yeah, that's the current state. Um. So another thing, um, I was looking at your website and there was like a wrist splint, um, that kind of had the, uh, I think of like expanded metal, you know, when I, when I saw the picture, you know, there was like a diamond pattern in it. Um, and it, you know, it was, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, like a screen, you know, Mm -hmm. it was, yeah, it's a lattice, a lattice. Thank you. Um, So, you know, what's the purpose of that? You know, how rigid is it? You know, even yeah. like the stuff that you have there, how, what's the rigidity and forgiveness yeah. of, of that stuff? It's hard to describe it, but I mean, you can kind of see it flex a little bit. Mm-hmm. So it's mostly rigid, but it's not, it's not, I would say, extremely rigid. It's our standard mm-hmm. print. When you see the lattice type structure for the casts, uh, we, what we do is we create the lattice structure, which allows breathability. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you have to thicken up the the struts, if you will, within the lattice because they can't. This is this is uh, two millimeters thick. It's really thin, really really thin. And so if you were to take this and put a bunch of holes in it and you, you keep it two millimeters thick, now it's going to be relatively weaker. Right. And so what we have to do when we when we include the lattice structures, we have to thicken up the lattice itself. And if you think about it, if you're wearing a cast. It's not exactly something that you're probably going to go out and play a Division One college football game in, and so it's really a different application. So something like this, you want really low profile. You want to be able to wear your glove over top of it, just a shell for protection on the outside. But if you're talking about, say, you break your wrist, if an eight-year-old kid, I, when I was eight, I fell and off a treehouse and broke my wrist. So if I went in and got a cast like what we make, that thing's doesn't need to come off and I don't need to be playing sports while I'm wearing it. And so it's really a different application. So it is a lot more rigid, the lattice type structure, the cast uh, type structure. Mm-hmm. Just I by nature of the design itself, not the material. 
Right. How thick do you like come relative to the two millimeters? How much thicker is the lattice work uh, there? It's, I would say probably double, probably okay. double. Yeah. Yep. Gotcha. Um, yeah. yeah, it's, it's so cool. Like where this is going and, you know, as the cost of laser or, um, 3d printers come down, I mean, it's going to just make it more and more. Well, that's uh, what's, that's, what's really incredible is, uh, 3d printing technology cost has just it's just plummeted and it continues to go down. And this one right here is this, this is just a, an example. Mm-hmm. And I would not suggest using this in a professional setting, but this was done on a $300 3d printer. Wow. The 3d printer itself was $300. Now yeah. it came from overseas. You got to put it together yourself. It doesn't have a enclosure. It right. breaks all the time. <laughs> right. You know? Right. But the point is, is the technology is really, it's come a long way and it just, it's always getting faster. It's mm-hmm. always getting cheaper and yeah. uh, the applications are growing. And so there's, it's just, it's hard to keep up with. And that's part of what we do is keep up with it. And it's hard to keep up right. with. Right. But I will say that the benefit that we have, whereas we're not a 3D printer company, we don't make 3D printers. And so the benefit to us is we can pivot extremely quickly to new printers that come out on the market because we're not married to a single manufacturer of 3D printers. Right. And so right. we've gone through some different manufacturers of 3D printers because the newest thing's always coming out and we're, we're able to, to snap it up and incorporate it into our solution. Yeah. Um, what's the role of uh, artificial intelligence in this? Is there any role or? I think there is. Uh, when it comes to model file generation, so we actually do a lot of machine learning in my lab and machine learning is a subset of artificial intelligence. And basically the way that works is you feed the computer a lot of data that is known. Um, for example, you feed the computer a bunch of pictures of your family, a thousand mm-hmm. pictures of your family, and you train it, you train the algorithm on that. And then what you do is you send it a new picture of your family and you, you just ask a question, is this my family? And it's probably gonna be able to say yes because you've right. trained it on what to look for. And so I see a lot of the same thing with this application because we do a lot of, we do a lot of AC pads. We do a lot of uh, wrist splints. We do a lot of shin guards. We do a lot of these devices that are custom fit, but they're standard devices. And so that's where machine learning can come in where you can take a 3D scan of someone's arm and then just simply say, make me a cast. Right. And it can do that immediately and then send it to the 3D printer. And so that's mm-hmm. where I see machine learning coming into play here is automating our processes, learning from our processes, and just making it more efficient and, uh, and faster and, and just a quicker turnaround. Right. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like some of the demands of, you know, the athletes that, that this is good for, you know, speed is important, um, yeah. Yeah. especially, you know, at the moment of, of injury or, you know, if they're in the middle of a game, like you said, in the second quarter and. They want to be out there after halftime, but also, you know, as they're recovering and, and swelling's going down to be able to, to take care of it really quickly is, is um, vital. Yeah, it is. And one of the things that, especially at the collegiate level, uh, you know, especially high level, conference level, SEC level play, these athletes, uh, they don't have a lot of time. Right. You know, if you look at D1 athletes across the country, that's, they just don't have a lot of time. They don't have any time. Right. In the in the traditional processes with the orthoplast and other techniques, the athlete had to be in the training room for could be hours. Right. 
with our process, it takes literally five seconds to scan the athlete and then they go. And yeah. then and then it's 3D printed and then they lose it. That's fine. You just press reprint. Right. And so yeah. uh, it really saves a lot of time for the athletes, uh, which is which is a win for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that orthoplast stuff, I mean, you put it on, you reshape it, you have to reheat it to. Yeah. And you got a heat gun sometimes. It's a it's a pain in the butt. So um, this is yeah, a much probably. better solution. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, um, you know, what else? What am I missing? Um, and, and what haven't I asked you that would be important for you to get out to people and um, that sort of thing? Well, uh, we do have a website. If you're just curious and just want to learn about what we're doing, uh, it's xoarmortech.com. Mm -hmm. We have a YouTube page. Uh, so we have a few clips up there that, that you might find interesting. Uh, I did an interview on the Auburn pregame radio show uh, a couple of years ago that's posted up there. And we talk about this specific application for Auburn, a little bit more of the backstory. Uh, so if you're just generally uh, curious, you can go and learn about us. And if you're, uh, if you're interested in our system and how to get access to our system, there, we do have people that respond to the messages that you send on the website. We're okay. not a big company. It doesn't go get shipped. You know, your message doesn't get shipped off somewhere and it's processed. And, you know, it's uh, we're we're very small or I wouldn't say very small. We're a smallish company right now. We've only been around for four, four years. So uh, so we do have a pretty good turnaround time and that sort of thing. So. So, yeah, so we're available. And, um, you know, yeah, I guess uh, I guess that's the main thing I want to communicate. Cool. Yeah, I will definitely um, include all of your information when I uh, post this uh, podcast for sure. Yeah, I think it's such a cool company and innovative, and um, I mean it, it's important in in athletics. So um, to be able to have such a quick turnaround time and and get away from the old ways of of doing things. So yeah, it's, it's really cool. Um, and thank you for coming on and spending a little time with with me this morning. I appreciate it. Yeah, you're absolutely welcome. It was fun. All right, I hit stop. All right. Thank you for listening to the Tales from the Trail podcast by Matchplay. Please take an extra minute to rate and review the podcast where you listen. Share the podcast with whomever you think would be interested and will help in their process. Check us out on social media as well. The links can be found at matchplayrecruit.com. See you on the trail.